0: Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hugan, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Welcome
1: back to the Gospel for Life. We are, have been working our way through the seven churches Uh, In the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, this is the last of of a series um, that has been going on. If you've missed any of those shows, you can always subscribe to the podcast. Just type in The Gospel for Life and you can find um, this, our radio program, and go back and listen to any of the, the shows that you missed. I have heard... That this is a great remedy for those that are struggling to get to sleep at night that they just put on one of our podcasts and boom they're out you might be being too kind (laughs) (laughs) so does anybody want to just take a quick second or two to just remind us why we care about this section of scripture about these letters that were written 2000 years ago to these churches in asia minor
2: well these letters are timeless and they are written to specific historical churches uh, that really did exist in Asia Minor, um, what is what is modern Turkey. Um, and uh, these are letters uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit, the, the voice of Jesus speaking to his church. Um, and I was just looking at... Uh, a book uh, that Jonathan has uh, by John Stott uh, about the letters to the seven churches, and it's called What Christ Thinks About the Church, uh, which is a wonderful title uh, and, a, and a, uh, a really good book by, by uh, a wonderful interpreter of Scripture, John Stott. But these letters are uh, Christ, what Christ thinks about the church. Uh, and they, these letters are filled with affirmation. They're also filled with rebuke and correction. Um, and we're, we're on the last one today, Laodicea, which is a, a stern uh, rebuke, and we'll get to that in, in a minute. Uh, but even though these uh, letters are written to specific historical churches at the close of the first century, uh, the message is the messages are timeless. And you can find your church, uh, whatever whatever church uh, you are a part of. Uh, you can find your church somewhere in these letters. So the church, our, the city of Laodicea
1: was an extremely wealthy city, had an earthquake in, in 6061 AD that they rebuilt their city on their own, refused government aid, a city known for water supply that came through aqueducts that when it got to the city would have been lukewarm, a city known for a special type of ISAV. Um, and also a city known for um, its wool. So you've got this city that has all of this affluence. It's a, a wealthy, rich city. And here you have the the church in Laodicea that's getting this, as Phil said, a stern rebuke. Um, this is actually one of the—is the only letter where there is absolutely nothing positive um, said about the church. And we looked at some of this yesterday, This the hot or cold, this lukewarm mediocrity— um, when I was a kid, um, there was a man that was a Christian singer named Steve Camp, and he had some pretty piercing songs at time, pretty convicting songs. And one of his songs that he wrote was called "Living in Laodicea." Um, and he was it was just kind of a critique of this lukewarm approach to the Christian faith, and that the temptation is to live as one that's neither hot. Nor cold uh, to live as one that's self sufficient, and those are some of the themes that we looked at
0: yesterday. Um, well, and I think that uh, Leo de It reflects a lot of um, Christians. They they feel if well if I'm not a heretic, if I don't believe uh, unbiblical things, and I just simply am a moral person, um, then I'm all right. And and there's a you know there's a there's a you can almost see that you know they're they're not. You know, there's no rebuke for them of adopting a heresy, and a, there's no rebuke for them of, as an evildoer, or they have no problems of persecutors necessarily. They just, you know, they basically are a Christless church, you know, of, of just a mere morality. Yeah, yep.
2: I, I think we better read the letter. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, let me go ahead and read it. Um, this is... Revelation chapter 3, beginning with verse 14. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches.
1: So, we dealt with some of the indifference of the church, the, the lukewarmness of the church um, yesterday. We, we dealt with the, the self sufficiency, at least in part of the church. So, I mean, <clears throat> I just want to summarize some of that by just saying those ki- could be probably some of the most serious uh, um, issues any church at any age will deal with mm-hmm. indifference. And self sufficiency, mm-hmm. um, and it really goes back to what Jonathan just said a minute ago. It it really takes Christ out of the church. Yeah, it becomes a Christless church in because of indifference, because of self sufficiency. Um, not any glaring issues in the church, really, um, but they are glaring issues when you strip Christ out of out of the church in
2: an, uh, kind of this. In no. direct way. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and the reason that they were self-sufficient or, or under the illusion of self-sufficiency was because of their wealth. Um, Laodicea, an extremely wealthy city. And uh, I I think in many ways uh, this uh, letter uh, is one of the most timely to the contemporary church in the United States of America. We live in a very wealthy country. <laughs> Um, we, as Americans, uh, we, um, we pride ourselves on being successful and having it all together. And, uh, we pride ourselves on being self-sufficient. We can come under the illusion because of our wealth, because of our comfortable lifestyles, we can come under the illusion. Hey, I must have it all together. Hmm. I have no need. Uh, yeah you know jesus uh, jesus can be like a little a little bit of uh spiritual seasoning on on my life to make a good life better
1: yeah and it's interesting that you see in this church that seemingly is is not in a in a great place at all just the graciousness of christ in verse 19 yes those whom i love i reprove and discipline um Jesus could have come to the church and said, I'm done with you. You are indifferent to me. You think you can do it on your own? Okay, then fine. I'm done. Mm-hmm. But he comes and he says, no, I love my church. Right. <clears throat> and I'm going to
2: discipline my church.
1: With the desired outcome of
2: repentance. Yep. You know, um, uh, Revelation 3.20 is a very familiar verse. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. That's often, uh, that verse is often quoted as as an invitation uh, to uh, make a commitment to Christ. And I don't think that that's a, a misuse of the verse, but in its context in the whole letter, uh this is not Jesus knocking on the door of of a single heart this is Jesus knocking on the door of his church and he's not going to break the door down uh he, he's knocking on the door of his church and and saying let me in um and it's out of love as, as you as you were saying Russ he, he's, those those I love I rebuke
1: And it really is dealing with, our communion with Christ, our fellowship with Christ. Mm-hmm. It's a relational it's not a um like in my house growing up, there would have we actually had a, a painting of Jesus outside of a door with yes. no handle on the outside yes. of the door and Jesus knocking on this door with the implication of that this is an evangelistic text. Right. Um, I don't think it's an evangelistic text. I think it's a fellowship relational text. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's
0: it, it's talking about a renewal of relationship here. It's talking mm-hmm. about a, a you know this covenant commitment um, between and uh, the church the church which is the bride of Christ and and Christ the bridegroom. He's he's come to the church. In fact. Uh, some would say that this passage is actually alluding way back to the Song of Songs, where 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 you have um, the beloved knocking and opening the door and waiting for that invitation of of covenant commitment. Uh-huh. And this is what uh, this passage is being directed to. There ought to be a covenant commitment, um, uh, one one that is passionate, uh, a passionate commitment. You know. Uh, you know, that a desire to, you know, that this relationship might be heated up, you might say. Well,
1: one of the key reasons why we're indifferent to Christ is because we really do stop spending time with Christ. Mm-hmm. We stop fellowship and communing with him. And the part of the reason why we end up being self-sufficient is because we've turned our attention away from Christ and we've turned our, our attention to ourselves and, and begun to, to do a self-assessment that's not accurate. And the only way that we can have an inaccurate self-assessment is when we are comparing ourselves to other people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when we mm-hmm. compare ourselves to the true standard, the holiness of God um, manifested in the person of Jesus Christ, so it's, it's communion with him, fellowship with him, time with him that actually corrects our indifference and corrects our self-sufficiency. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus is coming here and saying, what you need is me. Yeah. Are you willing to once again engage with me mm-hmm. and make me the core of your existence as mm-hmm. a church?
2: Well, and, and he makes a promise uh and this is uh, a, a wonderful promise um if anyone hears my voice and opens the door i will come into him and eat with him and he with me and and eating together is a is an image in 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 the bible an image of intimate fellowship mm-hmm. um and and really probably in this context a reference to the lord's supper Um, and the the promise of that intimate fellowship that he gives us in when we share the supper.
1: And then it ends with this this wonderful promise, the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. And so at the end of all of these letters, Jesus Christ is reestablishing the fact that he is the king of, of the church that reigns and rules over all things. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life, and we'll see you next time.